Welcome to John Longwell Media. Creative multimedia including music, inspirational messages, and audio prose. Today's message is entitled, The Gift, recorded on August 12, 2018, at Revived Church in Rio Rancho, New Mexico, where John serves as a teaching pastor. I pray you will be blessed by the message as you listen. Here now is John Longwell. Good morning. Welcome. (laughs) Great worship. Amen. Thank you, guys. (sighs) All right, let's pray before we receive the word. Father God, we just thank you for this opportunity to gather in your name. Holy Spirit, we invite you to have freedom in this place, freedom in our hearts, freedom in our minds. Come and apply the wisdom from the scriptures to our lives that it might transform us, that it might renew us. Lord Jesus, we ask that um, we would uh, effectively receive the purposes that you have for us today, that we would then digest them and walk them out in our lives. We just pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, buddy. Hey, John. What's up? I have a gift for you. Uh, Right now, I'm getting ready to start the sermon, man. I think you're really going to like it. Okay. One second. Go ahead and hold this. And can I have the gift for me? Yeah. All right. Thanks, Neil. All right, hold on. So. Yeah. <clears throat> I never eat McDonald's, so um, it is a real present. <laughs> That's cool, man. Oh, dude. Well, I don't know if you guys know. I love Lamborghinis, and this is the 2019 Lamborghini Urus. <laughs> It's the uh, SUV. So, dude, that's really yeah. cool, man. It's yeah. even in my color, man. Thank you so much. I'm glad you like it. Appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> that's cool. I will uh, enjoy that later when no one's looking. <laughs> okay. Well, actually, that's really weird that he would give me a gift today. The sermon is actually titled The Gift. <laughs> Somebody must have called him in advance of that. Um, so, today, um, I'm going to be continuing our series, and we believe. Um, every year about this time, we go through some of the things that we believe. And if you want to know what Revive believes, just look at the back of your bulletin. And it is spilled out today. It is spilled out there. Now, it's important that we reexamine from time to time the things that we believe, not for their accuracy, but to kind of get in a measure or an evaluation of where we are in comparison to, to those things. When I was growing up, a little over 40 years ago, some things that were not permissible in that day and age are quite well accepted and permissible in this day and age. It seems with every generation, there is a new subjective acceptance of new things within morality and new things within ethics. But we know that God does not change. Would you agree with that? And therefore, if God does not change, God's word does not change. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, it says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Amen? And James chapter 1, verse 17 also tells us, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Now, the gift that we're going to be looking at today is God's gift of salvation, And um, if you look on the back of your bulletin, it's actually the second one from the bottom. Now, salvation is our gift from God. It is received by faith through Christ alone. 
And actually, we're going to be using this little example of Neil giving me a gift today as we look at this whole process of gift giving as it relates to the gift of salvation. Now, let's kind of do a real quick recap of this exchange that happened. Now, Neil came up and he told me that he had a gift for me. And I obviously wanted it because I called him by name and I asked for it. So Neil then handed it to me and I received it. I opened it and I will enjoy it later. So now if Neil had given his mom, Cindy, a gift, I that would be awesome. I'd be happy for Cindy, but it wouldn't really change my life specifically in order for me to benefit. I need to receive my own gift and I also need to be conscious when that occurs. Now, why does this matter? It's important that we know what makes us saved and be aware that it happened. Otherwise, we're simply going through the motions. We can all learn to do things without conscious awareness of what we're really doing. I actually did this on the job for about four years. 2008, (laughs) I got laid off from my job at that time, and so I was looking for work. And the first month, I got laid off in July, so the first month it was okay. I put in my applications. And I would go to the interviews, and there was like maybe two or three other applicants. By the time September rolled around, if you'll remember, 2008 wasn't a real great economic year for our nation. I was in line with between 70 to 80 people. It was just amazing, just the crash that had happened at that time. When I was living in Los Angeles, I used to work for UPS. I was a loader and an unloader of their packaged cars and their trailers and stuff. And so when I had left UPS, I left on good terms. And so I, I saw a job um, at UPS here in town. And so I, I applied for that and I ended up getting the job. Well, the only caveat with the job was it was a, it was a graveyard shift job. I went in at 1130 at night and I got off at 530 in the morning. And if you've never worked the graveyard shift, there's a completely different culture that exists after everybody goes to bed. So, and I don't care how long you work graveyard, your sleep never resets to the way that it should. You, in fact, you know, you, you can quickly go back to, to a regular sleeping night, but then you would think, okay, I'm, I'm used to this. Never happens, never happens. So I would usually go to bed about nine o'clock at night, get up at 11, and then go into work at 11.30. And then I would get off at 5.30, come back home at 5.45 and go back to bed. So literally, I got up in the middle of the night, went to a job, came back home and went back to bed. So in a lot of ways, I was kind of doing a job that I should have been sleeping while I was doing. And so the first month that I was there, they trained me and I basically worked on a computer and I was a data scrubber, which basically means that all of the, all, everything is automated now. So your little packages go through this little conveyor belt and they're automatically scanned. Well, if, if those barcodes aren't read correctly, then I would have to, have to go in there and correct all of those packages. So thousands of packages every night I would have to manually correct and that's what I did. Now, if I was to go back and do that job right now, I don't know that I could do it because after about the first month I came in, I clocked in and I just turned on my computer and I was just on autopilot. I was just drinking caffeine and I was just on autopilot, just kind of doing my job. Now, another thing that can happen is we train our bodies through routines and patterns and even through muscle memory. When I was in high school, I had a locker and I had a combination padlock. 
And uh, over the Christmas holidays, you know, you have that two-week break. Usually after I came back, I always had to have the custodian come and cut my lock off. Because at the beginning of the year, I would remember what my combination is. But after doing it for a couple of months, you don't really think of the numbers. You just kind of do the patterns, and then you open your lock. Well, I would come back, and I would stand in front of my locker, and I would spin it a couple of different directions, and it wouldn't open. Because I thought, oh, I won't, remember, I won't need to remember the combination because I've been doing it for so long. Two weeks of not doing it, and your muscle memory just is shot. And so I would always have to have that cut off. So as we see, we can do a lot of things simply because they're routine. And sometimes we go to church because our parents took us to church when we were children. And we just continue this pattern when we become adults. The scary part of this is we may think we are saved just because we follow the same pattern for years and years. And yet, let me say, salvation is not a routine. It is a vibrant relationship with the creator of the universe. So this morning, I want to look at some things that do not save us. Now, the first thing that does not save us is doing good works. Now, last Sunday, Pastor Sean, as he was sharing, he talked about the different mentalities that people have. And a lot of people believe, you know, if you ask them, well, do you believe in God? And they're like, yeah. Well, they go, well, are you a Christian? Well, they're like, well, I'm spiritual. You know, and then you say, well, do you believe in heaven and hell? Yeah, I, I think there's a heaven and hell. Well, do you think you're going to go to heaven or hell? Well, I think I'll go to heaven. Well, what's your basis for thinking that? Well, I'm a good person. I think that at the end of my life, when everything is measured out, I will have done enough good things to get me into heaven. Or at least I'll have done more good things than bad things. And so that's the rationale. And yet Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9 says, For by grace you have been saved, through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Now, the second thing that does not save us is being dedicated or baptized as a baby. Now, I grew up in the Lutheran church, and in the Lutheran church, they baptize you as an infant. And so basically what you do is your parents take you up there, and then usually your godparents are with you. The pastor or the priest, he will, he will sprinkle water on your, on your head, and then he'll pray a prayer over you. And so in later life, when people ask me, they say, well, have you been baptized? And I say, yeah, I was baptized as a baby. Well, I wasn't really conscious of that event that took place. I have a little certificate. It's got my little feet on it. And um, I've got pictures of my parents and my godparents that were there. And yet I wasn't consciously aware of that event. And so by the measure of salvation, we need to be conscious when that takes place. And I wasn't really conscious of what what took place during that time. Now, I, as I'm saying these things, I don't want you to think that I'm getting down upon them. They do have value and they do have a place, but they do not have the value to save us. Now, even in our church, when folks have a baby, we'll bring the parents up and we'll pray for them. But we're not, it's not some rite of salvation for the child. Really, it's a dedication for the parents. We are commissioning the parents and we are commissioning those people that are going to be close to that child, that are going to have influence in that child's life so that they would bring that child up in a godly way. And what's really great is if those parents take that commission seriously and those other people have influence in that child's life, guess what? There may come a time in that child's life 
where he may come to that crossroads and be able to make a conscious decision for Christ because he's had those godly influences. Now, the third thing that does not save us is completing confirmation or catechism classes. Now, I bring those two up because um, I'm a Lutheran, and I always say that Lutheran is like Catholic light. We don't have all of the same traditions, and there's not as much sitting down and standing up as there is. And so, um, but they're very similar in a lot of ways. So when I was in junior high, about seventh or eighth grade, I would walk from my school over to my church on Wednesday nights for about, I don't know, six months during that year, and we would have confirmation classes. There was about eight of us in there, and I really enjoyed them. We learned a lot about Jesus. We, we learned about what our denomination believed and practiced, and I think I was probably the only one that was really there by choice. The other kids, their parents were like, you have to go to this, and in fact, I had even, some of my friends had told me, they said, once I finish confirmation, I don't ever have to go to church again. And I thought that that was really sad. See, because after you complete confirmation, um, you were then brought up in front of the church, you presented to the church, and basically you're now equipped with the knowledge of what it means to be a good Lutheran. And if you want to become a member in the Lutheran church, you can, you can then at that point um, take part in, in that and the sacraments and some of those other things. Um, I believe in, in the Catholic church, if you complete catechism, it's much the same. You can take part in the sacraments, you can marry in the Catholic church, things of that nature. However, a lot of people also think what's synonymous with being confirmed is now that I've graduated in church, I'm now a Christian. It's not true. You've simply gained knowledge about God. And this goes into conjunction with the fourth thing that does not save us. Going to church and learning about Jesus does not save you. In fact, it says in James chapter 2, verse 19, you believe... God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. You say, salvation is not just knowing the facts about God. Now, this is important because we do need to hear the good news. The good news is what's actually going to give us the opportunity to have faith in that story and then apply it to our lives. You see, salvation involves trusting in God. And this is the key to saving faith. Romans chapter 10 verses 13 through 15 says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. He then goes on to say in 14, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Now, I want to go through, we've went through things that do not save us. I'd like to go through four steps of salvation. And I'd like you to see how this process mirrors the very gift-giving exchange that took place between Neil and myself. And I'm going to put Neil in the place of the pastor. He's going to be the one that's now sharing the gospel to me. So we'll just use this little, this kind of little mirroring story here. So Neil, Neil shares the gospel message. This is the same as Neil telling me that he had a gift for me. Now, the second step is I was up here and I heard the gospel message. In like, Neil told me he had a gift for me and I heard that he had a present for me. Now, at this point, 
this is still merely knowledge. Nothing of, of, of universal salvation has taken place. We're still, he's sharing, I'm hearing. And a lot of us are at that place. In fact, many people come in to church and that's all they ever they ever exchange is someone's up here giving them information. You're hearing that information and that information does not have any dynamic impact upon your life. Number three is where the, the spiritual magic, if you will, really happens through the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe the truth that I am a sinner and only through Jesus Christ will I be forgiven or saved it is at this place that I put my trust in the Lord. Now, Neil has told me that he has a gift for me. But what if Neil and I have a, have a strange relationship and Neil's always pulling practical jokes upon me? And I wouldn't put it past Neil to come up on a Sunday morning when I'm to preach and to say that he has a gift for me and then to pull some sort of a practical joke. So if I didn't trust in Neil, if I didn't believe that his heart was for me, for my benefit, then the fact that he told me this isn't going to really make a difference. And so this is where saving faith first operates. And the exchange is completed as I call on the name of the, of the Lord and receive the gift of forgiveness and am saved. And likewise, I reached out to Neil. I called him my name. I asked him for that gift. I received it from him. I opened the gift. And later on, I will enjoy my Lamborghini Urus. So Romans 10, 8 through 10 shares, But what does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and it is in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. So you see this, if you ever want a great scripture, Romans 10, 8 through 10, this is a real encapsulated how we get saved. We hear the good news. We embrace it in our heart. Our heart is moved by the Holy Spirit. However, we can't just stop there. We then have to call upon the name of the Lord. Say that prayer. Ask him to come into our hearts. Now, let's say for a moment that instead of this just being a toy car, that Neil took me outside after church and in the parking lot, there was an actual 2019 Lamborghini Urus. Well, besides Neil being my new best friend, besides my wife, I would want to drive this vehicle every day. I mean, it has all-wheel drive. Um, it has seating for four. It's an exotic car with seating for four and cargo. It's got a 641 horsepower engine and a top speed of 190 miles an hour. You could really get your kids to school fast in this thing. Now, if I drove my Lamborghini Urus every day, it would require a little maintenance from time to time costly maintenance. In fact, uh, the oil change for a Lamborghini goes around $350. So, and this is actually just like our salvation. Now, this is not to say that our salvation will break down, but the reality is, is we will continue to sin even after we are saved. Um, in fact, Mark gave me a great, great phrase. You see, salvation involves getting saved and being saved. Now, the salvation maintenance that we conduct involves the Holy Spirit's continuing work in our life 
as we are made aware of our sins. So we're saved. And, and see, this is what usually happens to a, to a new Christian is you, you get saved and you think that, man, I'm never going to sin again. And then when you do sin, you feel so guilty. You're like, oh my gosh, I guess it didn't work. <laughs> and yet the fact that you are convicted of that sin means that it did work. Because prior to that, you were just living your life kind of in ignorance, not really even caring about the things that you did and how it affected you and how it affected those around you. But the fact now that the Holy Spirit has come and he's living in your life and he's making you aware of the things that you're doing and he's saying, I want you now to become more like me. That's what it means to be a Christian, Christ-like. And that's why it says to go ye therefore into all the world and to make disciples. We're to simply make people that look like Jesus, that, that take on the life of Jesus. And sometimes when you see a new Christian, they look a little messy, don't they? <laughs> they, you know, especially like if they've come out of some really difficult stuff, you're like, man, I can't believe they're still doing that. Well, they're brand new. Jesus is in that process of sanctifying them. And I think the, the biggest crime that we can do as Christians is think that they have to become cleaned up and, and, and straightened away before they'll become a Christian. The whole reason why we become a Christian is that we respond to God's loving kindness right where we are. And it's from that place that we can begin to walk and become more and more like the image of his son. So um, in 1 John 1, 9, it says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You see, we believe by faith that we are forgiven when we were saved and that we are forgiven as we repent and confess our sins. This is our lifelong salvation maintenance, just like changing the oil in my Lamborghini Urus. So to summarize... Salvation is a free gift, and like any gift, it's only really meaningful if we are aware of the event. So let's say like someone um, was going to throw you a birthday party, and you know, and somebody kind of leaks it out, hey, there's a surprise birthday party for you, or you know, it's going to be at the convention center, we've rented a room that's going to hold 500 people, we're going to have your favorite band there, and just a load of presents, and then the day of the party comes, and nobody invites you. That's exactly what it's like if we are not conscious of our salvation. And so basically, this makes baby baptisms, confirmations, catechisms, and good works of no value to save us. They may have value in, the, in, in things that they can educate us and bring to us and help to um, and increase in awareness. But in and of themselves, these are not things that will save you. You need to have a conscious awareness of that event. In fact, um, as we were sharing in our Bible study the other day, it's amazing when people from all diverse backgrounds actually get saved. They're so conscious of it that they're then able to kind of go back on their own timeline and see how God was working in their lives up into that point. In fact, um, when, I, when I grew up, I had an alcoholic father. And so I always had some memories that were, that were kind of a little bit sad because there were there were times that I put expectations in him and they didn't follow through and so I kind of carry that into my adulthood and uh, at one season in my life uh, I had been praying and God he kind of took me on a little tour of my own history and he began to show me how in those times he had not left me alone he said 
Do you remember that guy at the golf course? Because I used to, my dad was a golfer. He golfed like four or five days a week when um, when I was growing up. And so um, during the summers, he would take me with him. And there was always some of my dad's friends. They would come over to me. My dad's name was John. He was six foot three and two hundred eighty pounds. So he was big John, and so that would made me not big John, um, made me little John. And so hey, little John, they would come over and talk to me. How are you doing? And it was really great. Um, they were just so interested in my life. They were so encouraging to me. And God kind of showed me that at all these different places where I thought that I was alone, that I didn't have a real nurturing father figure, God's like, well, it may not have been your dad, but I had people that were significant in your life throughout that place. And so I'm consciously aware of that now. And as Jesus comes into our lives, comes into our hearts, we become conscious of his presence, not only in the the salvation interaction, but also of all of the impactful places throughout our history. Now, the second thing, um, as we summarize, we become aware of our need for Jesus when we hear the gospel message. But just knowing about God doesn't mean we are saved. If this were true, this would mean that every atheist out there is also a Christian. Because you can talk to some atheists and they probably have a better understanding of scripture than what some Christians do. Because they're always wanting to refute it. They're always wanting to give you all of the reasons for why there is no God. And so it's almost like by the fact that they don't believe there is a God, they have to believe that there's a God so that they can believe that there is no God. Does that make sense? Negative 100 equals 100 minus 100. Anyway, there's an equation out there. You guys can look it up. Okay, so salvation is received by faith through the Holy Spirit when we call upon the name of Jesus and trust in him that we are forgiven. Acts chapter 4 verse 12 says, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. And this is very important. This little key scripture right here separates Christianity from every other religion in the world because it basically says that unless you believe and call upon the name of Jesus, there's no such thing as salvation. Everything that you may have said has saved you if, it does, if it's not the name of Jesus. And we, people look at us in other religions and are like, well, that's just really arrogant for you to think that there's only one way for you to get to heaven. But one thing that also separates Christianity from every other religion out there is that you get to have a personal relationship with the God of all eternity. Every other religion out there may provide wisdom in certain ways and and good directives on how to live your lives, but they do not give you the opportunity to relate and interact with the God of the universe that cares about you in the situations that you are dealing with on this date in 2018. The one that would say to you, cast all of your cares and burdens upon me because I care for you. The one who says, come to me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The one that says that if you are troubled, that I will give you a peace that passes all understanding that you don't even need to understand. A God that is not just out there somewhere or somewhere that we have to go and find them, but a God that is intimate with us in every situation that we may be dealing with so that we personally know that the love that is God is ours because God lives inside of us when we ask Jesus to become the Lord and Savior of our lives. Amen.
Now, the, one of the final things is salvation is meant to be enjoyed personally by the one who receives it. Now, no one can receive your gift for you. You know, it's, do you guys remember the, the Academy Awards a couple of years ago um, where the, they announced the wrong... <laughs> is that like the worst letdown? The, the, I think it was for best movie, and they announced one movie, and then they realized that they had been given the wrong envelope, and so then they had to correct it, and then and they were already up on stage. The the, the jubilation, the you know they had been you, you get announced. In fact, um, two years ago, prior to that, I had worked for a guy up in Santa Fe, and he was actually an Academy Award nominee for best sound for a movie that was filmed here in Albuquerque. It was the the soldier movie. Uh, do you guys remember what that one was? What was it? No, anyway, but he didn't win. But um, so they, but they call you like early in the morning, like 5.30 in the morning. And he came into work and he was stoked. He's like, oh my gosh, we're going to Hollywood. We're going to, so his wife bought this dress. And it was this whole big, really cool thing. And uh, so you have this anticipation for these two months. And you know, of course, they put best movie at the very end of the Academy Awards in those, you know, six or eight movies or however many there. They're sitting there and then they, they announce it. Everybody comes up on stage. I'm sorry, that gift's not for you. What a huge letdown. And that's the same with our salvation. Just because your mom, your brother, your spouse, your friend is a Christian, that doesn't mean that you're a Christian. You're not saved by association. You need to take a personal interest in that. And uh, we'll give you an opportunity to do that as we close service. Um, Now, salvation, like any special gift, should be cared for, maintained, confessing our sins, and continue believing we are forgiven. And finally, salvation should be enjoyed, not merely endured. Um, If we're not enjoying our salvation, if the joy of the salvation is not fueling us, we maybe need to re-examine what is it that's making up our salvation? Are we depending upon good works? Aren't you glad that it's not up to you to earn your salvation? You know, isn't it hard enough to earn some of the things that you have to earn? You know, the good graces of your, of your, your spouse or your boss or your friends um, in fact, I, I'll just share this little pet peeve of mine. Um, I, I don't like social media. I'm a web guy. That's my profession, but I don't like social media. Um, I don't like it how, especially, especially Facebook and, you know, it's like sometimes you, sh- you know, <laughs> you hear those, oh, I changed my status, you know, and the person that you may have changed that status in association with maybe didn't know that you were on that same status level change. And <laughs> I've heard so many situations of, or sometimes, you know, people that are dating, they change their status, they're mad at their, their boyfriend or girlfriend, and they, they change it to single. And then, of course, it gets right back to them. Did you know that so-and-so changed their status to single? Oh, my gosh, what a, what a storm this, this creates just because of all this kind of stuff. I don't even know how I got off on that tangent. But um, so we're, we're not to depend upon good works. Um, and we're also not to depend upon knowledge of God. Because if it was all about knowledge, some of us are more academically inclined than others. 
And that kind of gives them a bit of an advantage, don't you say? It's like, man, you know all this, you know all this stuff about Jesus, you're going to be saved. It's not about knowledge. Knowledge is involved. It's about hearing the gospel. It's about hearing the good news. But really, it's as simple as hearing that there's a gift for you. Will you receive the gift? Will you open the gift? Will you embrace the gift? Do you see the gift as so valuable that you would want to enjoy it for the rest of your lives? Now, although a Lamborghini Urus probably won't last my entire life if I drove it every day, if I did, like our salvation, I would enjoy the ride each and every day until Jesus came home, until I came to see Jesus face to face. Now, Psalm chapter 51, verses 8 through 12 says this, Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of my salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. And as we um, all have the worship team come up, we're going to sing that last song again as we conclude today. In verse 12 of Psalm 51, he says, Restore to me the joy of my salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Is it easy being saved? Is it easy being a Christian? Is it easier? I think it's easier. I think it's easier because we're now exempt from the definition of our life um, having a life of substance. We're exempt from us having to be happy in order for us to have a life of substance. Because there's things that happen in our lives that, guess what, don't make us happy. There's things that happen to us. There's things that people do to us that don't make us happy. But, and I'm sorry to say, the Bible and Jesus never promised that we would be happy all the time. But he did say that we could have joy. He did say that we could have an abiding presence of the Lord Jesus Christ to be with us in any and every situation in which we would deal with. And so every once in a while, we need to pray that, restore to me the joy of my salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. You know, when I got up at 11 o'clock when I was working for UPS, it was not with a willing spirit. (laughs) It was for a needed paycheck. And that's the only thing that, that got me out of bed those nights was the necessity, not necessarily the, uh, the willingness. I want to share one last little snippet of scripture from Nehemiah 8, verse 10. For the joy of the Lord is our strength. We should draw our life power from the fact that we are saved. It should fuel us through our hard times and empower us to be the very messenger of good news as we share the gift of salvation with others. Now, as I conclude today and as I pray, if the Lord has been speaking to your heart today and you would like to go and you would like to pray that prayer of salvation, um, Juliet is available here to pray with you. I'm here to available to pray with you. Today, we're going to find ourselves in, in one of two camps. We're either in that camp that now you've heard about Jesus. Maybe you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. If that's where you are, I invite you to to make that transaction happen today. Or you know Jesus personally, and you are now commissioned with the wonderful news, the good news, that you have a gift for the people around you, the gift of salvation.
God has put people in your path, put people in your life that you probably, even as I'm saying this, you know who they are. That, and maybe right now they're a thorn in your flesh. I can tell you that at, at my wife's work, there's so many people that used to be a thorn in her flesh that are now she's good friends with, she prays with them. And I think that's amazing, but you know what? That's not amazing, that's just God. That's just how God works. And sometimes it's out of those times of tyranny, those times of difficulty. In fact, when I was growing up, I was in junior high and the, the two bullies in school we were at, a, we were at a, a social party one night. It was an 18 and younger uh, party that was put on at a local pub where there's no drinking or anything, but we could dance and stuff. And during this party, the two bullies, they were going to fight. Oh, man, this is great. Everybody's there, fight, fight, fight. We made a big circle, and they fought it out. And the next day, they started hanging out together. That's how guys, <laughs> guys just become friends after they fight. That's just, you know. And so I say that to say that sometimes the person that you least expect that God would be calling you to share that gift with may be the very one that he's saying, you know what, pray for them. Because you know exactly what to pray. You, you know, if, if you come head to head with them, you're like, man, this person's arrogant, they're obstinate, they're this, they're that. And you know exactly how to pray. Lord God, soften their heart. Lord God, speak to them. Maybe usually when a person is is kind of acting out so much, there's something going on that we don't know about. We need to be interceding for them. Why? Because we have that knowledge. Because we've been given that divine in, insight. Because maybe there's no one else around that person except for you that could bear that kind of spiritual influence to make that kind of a change. So as we conclude today, as we pray, um, you're either needing to be saved or you are saved and you're going to be commissioned to share the gifts that God has given us. So, Father God, we thank you for this opportunity to learn about what we believe, the gift of salvation that we receive as a gift through faith in Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, I ask that uh, if there's anybody here today that needs to uh, just finish that transaction and ask you, call upon you to become the Lord and Savior of your life, that they would do that right now. Lord Jesus, come into my heart, come into my life. Be the Lord of my life. I thank you. And Father God, if for the rest of us that are here, commission us, empower us, embolden us to speak simply your words of love, to pray for those that, uh, <laughs> that are kind of a pain, that, uh, that make us discouraged and frustrated. And Lord, allow us to see the miraculous, powerful move of your love, your compassion, your kindness in their lives. Because... They may not seem deserving, but they are the most in need of your compassion and your kindness and your grace. Lord God, we thank you. We give you glory in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this inspirational message. Please email questions, comments, and booking information for John to mail at johnlongwell.com to see the full range of creative works including books, inspirational messages, music, art, and web development content, please log on to www.johnlongwell.com. Thank you for listening, and may God's blessings be yours in abundance.